The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Amen. <clears> Through <throat> worship, we jump straight into our text, John chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to 27. John 4, 1 to 27. John chapter 4, from verse 1 to 27. Jesus knew the Pharisees and heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noon time. Soon a Samaritan woman, I was a Samaritan woman, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone. I was say he was alone. If you have reading from a Bible, you want to underline that alone. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you knew the gift God asked for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. You see, every time I read this, I read the word of God, it's like, it's just beautiful every time, you know. This story, probably I've read it like, I don't know how many times, but it's just, I never cease to laugh, you know, when I get to this point. <laughs> it says, you don't have a bucket, she said. And the well is very deep. Where would you get this, your living water from? <laughs> just ridiculous. And besides, do you think you are greater, then she went religious on Jesus, than our ancestor, Jacob, who gave us this well, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
And she changes immediately. Please, sir, give me that water. <laughs> you know, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again. And I would have to come here. You see, she's still thinking. <laughs> I would have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go. You want this water? This water I want to give. Jesus says, you want it? He says, yes. Are you sure you want it? He says, yes. Are you really, really, really sure? She says, yes. She says, go and get your husband. What has that got to do with water? <laughs> go and get your husband. Jesus told her, I don't have a husband. The woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. <laughs> Am I the one getting a kick from this scripture? <laughs> you, know, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim when Moses released the blessing upon the people and God instructed him to bless the people where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. When true worshippers, everyone say true worshippers. When true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, Christos. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you know, it's huge. Nobody of, of sort, of any form of what has ever made this kind of claim. Mohammed didn't claim he was the Messiah. Buddha didn't claim he was the Messiah. Krishna didn't claim he was the Messiah. But Jesus said, I am the Messiah. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman alone. I told you to underline that alone there. You, you need to put it back here. <laughs> he said, ah, Oga. 
Which I got to do now. Toast babe for broad daylight. Says, but none of them had the nerve to ask. It's good to be a girl. <laughs> none of them had the nerve to ask. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, there's so much in this passage of scripture. But God will help us to just stay focused on where we are going. And, um, and it will breathe upon us in Jesus' name. When we look at verse 9 of, of the John 4, John 4 verse 9, the word of God says that the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you talking? Asking me for water. Why are you talking to me? President of the Lord. So it was a big deal. Jesus was, I mean, I've explained why the scripture says that he had to go to Samaria. We are not going to talk about that now. But he, he was in Samaria and Usually the Jews will snub the Samaritans. Then, if he was a man, then it was even worse for her to be a woman because, you know, it, it, was, it was like she, she doesn't even have a voice. And this was Jesus coming and talking with her. In fact, asking her for help, asking her for a favor. You know, in other words, Jesus that should be snobbish, that should be on a high horse, that should look down through his nose to even see her, relates with her, and even said to her, give me something to drink. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus is not tribalistic. To be a follower of Jesus and to be colored with race or tribe you don't know Jesus at all. To be a follower of Jesus and to say, oh, my son cannot marry an Ibibio girl or my daughter cannot marry a Calabar man or my <laughs> whatever. Something is wrong with that. Jesus does not divide by tribe. He doesn't. He doesn't divide by gender. He doesn't. He shouldn't talk to this woman. But there was Jesus Talking to her, she was a woman. Jesus was not segregated. So if you, if you are here and you are feeling that um, maybe God does not really accept you, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you so much. He's accepted you and he has come to ask you for a glass of water. Are you going to give him? <laughs> or are you going to start a theological debate? So, so that's the first thing that jumps out on us. Jesus came to a woman, a Samaritan woman, an outcast, if you will, and related with her in a way that he asked her for favor. That's number one. Number two, in verse 10, we see here that Jesus replied to the, to the lady that if only you knew the gift of God, God's gift for you, and who is it that is speaking to you, you would ask me, and I will give you living waters. 
and it's, it's a challenge for a lot of us. Sometimes, we don't even know the people we are doing life with. You, are, you have a friend. There's a family member. You don't discern them. You're in a place, Jacob was saying, so God is in this place, and I didn't know it. So it is possible for you to be talking with Jesus and not discern the gift of God that is speaking with you. It is possible for you to be in the presence of someone that can change your life and you have no clue. And Jesus has said to this woman, if you knew who I was or who I am, it's not arrogance to know who you are. Praise the name of the Lord. It's not arrogance. You have to know who you are. And if people don't know who you are, you should gently introduce yourself to them like Jesus introduced himself to this woman without being arrogant, that is. Bottom line is this. When God is doing something in your house, in your home, do you recognize God? When God is doing something in your community, do you recognize him? When God is doing something, in, you know, some of us, we've complained about our wives and maybe our husbands, our spouses, we've complained and complained and complained. And God has actually begun the work. Can you see the move of God? So the question to you this morning is this. Can you discern God's move? Can you discern God's move? Can you discern it? Even in your own life, can you discern God's move? Oh, God is working, in, dealing with me in this area. God is working with me in this area. Oh, God is working on this child. This child, I've been praying for this child. Oh, God is working for this, on this nation. God is, can you discern God's move in Nigeria? Praise the name of the Lord. It is possible to be in a place where God is doing amazing things and it's natural to you. It is your responsibility to discern God's move. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. In verse 13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Because the water becomes a fresh, everybody say fresh. It becomes a fresh bubbling, everybody say bubbling. Spring within them. Giving them eternal life. How can your life be described? How can your life be described by the people you are doing life with? Can that life, can your life be described as fresh and bubbling and the fountain of of life, if we ask 
your spouse, if you ask your colleagues, if we ask your neighbors, will they, will they say, take it back again, that your, 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 your life is, is, is fresh and bubbling, that you are always bubbling with fresh life? Will that be the description? If it is not the description, it's one of two things. If it's not the description, it's either you haven't contacted the springs of living water that Jesus is talking about, or you have the spring, but you are drinking from another source. You may actually have something, let's just say, let's say you have you have um, water in your fridge, but you are drinking soft drink. So it's possible to have something like that. I know you utilize it. So the question to you and I is this. Where are you drinking from? Where are you drinking from? Are you drinking from, from CNN? I have, I have nothing against CNN. It's, 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 are you drinking from Al Jazeera? Is that, is that your... Again, I have nothing against listening to news. Don't say pastor says don't listen to news. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. Is that where you get your, your, your world out, your world view from, the, your outlook of the world? What is going to happen in the world? Are you getting it primarily from the news outlets? Are you getting it? Because a lot of the news, bad news. Good news does not make news. Bad news. So, when you are feeding from all sorts of negativity, what's going to flow out is negativity. If you want your life to be bubbling, and um, can you put up that scripture again? I just want to say it exactly as it is. And fresh. Everyone say bubbling. Everyone say fresh. If you want your life to be bubbling and fresh, you have to drink from the living waters. You have to drink from the living waters. When you drink from the living waters, and sometimes, you know, folks around you are like, oh, but you should be sad. Hey, but I'm not sad. Hey, but you should be worried. Okay, but I'm not worried. Oh, but you should be sober. Okay, but I'm not sober. I'm actually excited. So why are you excited? Can't you see all the challenges that are facing you? I'm excited because my source is the spring of the living waters. That's why I'm excited. I can't help it. President of the Lord. And it's a, it's a huge thing that, um, lesson that you have to take away. I have to take away. And what connects us to that is the word and worship. But today we are looking at worship. What, what connects us, that is if you have it. If you don't have it, it's also worship, but in a different way. I'm going to show you at the end. It's also worship. So what connects us is worship. It's worship. In verse, verse 23, verse 23 of, of John 4, Jesus speaking, saying, but the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
The time is coming and it's here. Now, when we talk about worship, when, when you say, okay, I want to worship, we have different ideas of what worship is. They say, oh, no, 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 that's one. That is a praise song. I said we should worship, you know. <laughs> do praise and worship with your, with your spouse. And you say, okay, let us worship. And she say, I said, no, 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 that's a praise song. I said, we should worship. Then she said, today, oh. I said, no, 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 don't you know worship song? Worship song has to be. I lift my hands to you. That is where we are worshiping. <laughs> you know, but worship has really nothing to do with the tempo of the song. Whether it is slow or whether it is fast, worship has nothing to do with the tempo of the song. So we have different stereotypes of what worship is. There's a video I want to see. How to worship properly. Worship is an essential element to church life and an individual's walk with God. It's encouraged that everyone participates in worship. If not, you're simply out of the group. For some people, worship may not come as natural as it does to others. Well, no need to worry. Clapping. Number one, watch the person next to you. Mimic their every clap and you'll be sure to fit in. Number two, watch the worship leader's foot. Dancing. Number one, jump up and down to the tune of the song. Number two, hop on one leg. Number three, the knee crunch. Number four, marching on the spot. Warning, dancing is only allowed in praise songs. Do not bust out your moves or steps in a worship song. Lifting your hands. Many people raise their hands. This may seem strange at first, but soon enough you will have the urge to be just like everyone else. Lastly, facial expressions. It's vital in worship that your face is sincere and focused on God. Another essential element is to have your eyes closed at all times. Well, there you have it, folks. Happy worshipping. You know, and we have different stereotypes. This is how worship should be. That's how worship should be. This is how worship should be. But you see, Jesus is saying that the key to worship is spirit and truth. Is spirit and truth. The Father seeks true worshippers. Those that will worship him how? In spirit and in truth. And, and many times, when we don't do what everybody expects us to do, like that guy, we look like we are not, you know, we are not spiritual, you know. Everybody's clapping, you know. Why are you not clapping, you know? Everybody's closing their eyes. Why is your own eyes open? Are you seeing vision? You know, why? So we criticize people that don't conform, but that has nothing to do with worship. Nothing to do with worship. And really, sometimes, everybody's standing. Why are you sitting? At the heart 
of our being is the cry and the quest for our God. And it can only be satisfied through genuine worship. Verse 15. Verse 15. The woman said to Jesus, Please, sir. The woman cried out, said, Give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Now, listen, look at this this scripture. The woman said to Jesus, give me this water and I won't have to come here. Jesus was talking about the living water, right? The woman said, give me this water and I won't have to come here. Jesus would have said, I mean, if I were Jesus, I would have said, are you sure? And the woman said, yes, I'm sure. Are you really, really sure? The woman said, yes, I'm sure. How sure are you on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, the woman said, I'm 11. You are really sure you want this water? Jesus did not say, go and bring your bucket. Jesus did not say, go and bring a vessel. Jesus said, go and bring your husband. Why? Why, 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 why? Why did Jesus say that? Why did Jesus say, go and bring your husband? Jesus said, go and bring your husband because the thing you are trying to fill with the void that only God can fill must be surrendered before God can fill it. The thing, yeah, I mean, for this woman, it's a husband. It's the husband issue, you know. Some, some women, they, will, they feel they are never complete until they have a husband. Until, until I have a husband. So some people, some women even worship their husbands. So this woman, God, Jesus was saying, go and bring your husband. Because until you bring that husband, you cannot get this water. You know, the things that you have been feeding, it's like you are eating um, uh, junk food. For if you want to, if, if, you, if, if somebody has been eating junk food that is not healthy and the person is unhealthy, the, 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 the doctors will say, present the junk food, you take it away first, then they will give you uh, vegetables <laughs> and grass to eat. No, no, not like that. But they will give you healthy food. True or false? So, so Jesus was saying to this woman in essence, and like to many of us, the things you are using to fill that void must be presented to Jesus and surrender to Jesus, as we are going to say. That is what he's asking for before you can get the living waters. Boom. So, saved, sanctified, heaven bound. But there's still something else that is filling that quest in your life. The inner craving. There's something else that is filling it. For some people, it's their club, their football club. The season has started. 
I don't want to mention some club's name. Some people were beating 5-0 yesterday. I don't know their names. You know, some people. Some people say football club, they can't eat. They can't eat. Wenga out. They can't eat. Wenga must go. Some people, it's, I mean, it's just TV, binging on TV. And yet for some of us, it's just gossip. There are things that are taking that place that when you show up before Jesus, as you have shown up today, you know, if you bring up that scripture again, please. You know, Jesus is not going to ask you where is your husband because that's not your issue. Jesus is going to ask you where is your Go get your you put yours in there. For this woman is her husband. Go get your what? Your husband. So the emptiness, the pull of this world, the cravings that we are having, it's just all about one thing. It's all about one thing. And it's just all about worship. It's all about what? It's all about worship. It's all about worship. The temptation of Jesus, you know, it turns stone to bread, you know, jump from the... That's, those are just entry points. The crux of the matter is bow down to me and worship. It is all about worship. It's all about worship. 100%. You know, I caught John Piper's saying that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You must have heard me say that a couple of times in the past. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But you see, the converse is also true. And that is, we are most satisfied in life when God is most glorified in us. We are actually most satisfied in life when God is what? Most glorified in us. When we are dissatisfied in life, we should check. We should check. If you want satisfaction in life, live for the glory of God. If you want your life to be full and satisfied, Wanting nothing. I'm not saying it will be perfect. It will never be perfect because you see Jesus. Never. It's not going to be never going to be perfect. But you can't have a full and satisfying life. You can have the streams of waters that is flowing that Jesus is talking about. For your life to be full and satisfying, it must just be about God. When, when you um, look at verse 23 of that, of that scripture, verse 23, it says, but this time, the time is coming and indeed, it's here now, where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It says, the Father, I'm saying, the Father, the Father is looking for those who will worship him this way. Why? For Thank you. 
For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in and in. Take it back again. The time is coming and now is. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Because the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God is looking. He's on a quest. Why? Because God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When we come before God, when it, should, it should not be about the, your husband or your wife. It should not be about, oh God, please give me a good husband. You take the first one, it's not good. You look for the second one, like this woman. The third one, is it, 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 what, what does that story tell us? No man can fully satisfy you. It's impossible. Same thing. No woman can fully satisfy you. It's impossible. Totally impossible. The only person that can fully satisfy you is Jesus, God. So, so don't put the weight of what only God can do on any human being. It's unfair. It's unfair. It's unfair for me to expect my wife to fully satisfy me. I'm putting the weight that only God can carry on her. Is that fair? It's unfair to expect that your husband will fully satisfy you because you're putting the weight that only God can satisfy on him. You're going to crush him. We shouldn't expect it from our children. Some people, it's their son. Oh, oh, you know your mommy's boy. Some people, it's their daughter. You know, I mean, we shouldn't destroy people. We should look to the one and the only one that can satisfy, and that is God. We should find a place where we are able to come to God by ourselves without any inhibition, and we are able to bow before Him, and we are able to worship Him in spirit. That is faithfulness of obedience and alignment. And in truth, that is knowing him through revelation and through his word. And bow and worship him. And worship him. You know, of recent there's a song in my devotion. There are different songs that, that you know, are on playback at different times. But there's this one that is, is, is current, you know. I wake up, I do my stuff, I put it on, and I hit the floor. Sometimes, I can't even describe the details to you, <laughs> you know. But it's just me and God. Play the song. <laughs> It doesn't have to be a fancy song. Just a song that you can. Just you and God. 
for anybody. You are not posing for anybody. It's just you and Jesus and you're just saying, Lord, I am yours. You are my king. You are my God. You are my maker. The father is seeking, is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is on a search mission. Such party. For those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Will you find that heart in you? You know what I, what I say to the Lord is, look no further, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. You want to worship? Don't, where else are you looking for? I mean, your boy is here. Concerning goes from his house, look no further. Lord, here we are. We will give you the best worship on earth. If there's anything like that. The highest quality of our hearts. The cry of our hearts. Look no further, O oh God of heaven. That's our cry. That's our cry. True worship. So what is that thing that is standing between you and worship? What is your husband? That husband. What is that husband? What is that joint that you take? What is that thing that you go to get your fix? If Jesus were to speak to you today, what will he tell you to go and bring? Well, this woman is a husband. What will he tell you to go and bring? As we lay down that thing, they will find rivers of living water. Until we lay it down, there's no flow. There's no flow. For some people, it's an offense. For some people, it is how you've been treated in the past. You have to lay it down. 
bring it to him. So for there to be true worship, for there to be true worship, four things must be in place. Number one, for there to be true worship, there must be sacrifice. No true worship without sacrifice. No true worship without sacrifice. No true worship without sacrifice. For that woman, a sacrifice was the husband. Where is your husband? Where is your husband? No true worship without sacrifice. No true worship without sacrifice. In 2 Chronicles 1, 6 and 7, really amazing story of Solomon. It says, there in front of the tabernacle, in front of everybody, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. At one instance, when, the, when you add up all the animals Solomon sacrificed, it was 144,000. In verse 7, Jesus says, For the Father seeketh such. What happened in verse 7? That night, God appeared to Solomon. I pray that God will appear to you. <laughs> And God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give. That's the picture I get. So I said, God just, God said, I can't, I can't help myself. This boy, this boy, what do you want? Tell me. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. You see, at that time, I can assure you, there are people doing night vigil, disturbing God. There are people seeking God. But God wasn't paying attention to them. God was seeking somebody else. If Mr. A is looking for God and God is looking for Mr. B, who is going to encounter God first? If Mr. A employs all the contractor prophets on all the mountains in Nigeria to go and look for God for for him, and and God is looking for Mr. B, who is going to find God first? So where do you want to be? The place of true worship. Where God himself will seek you out and will find you out. If you check scriptures, God looks for three categories of people. I mean, in my um, little study of scriptures. Three categories of people that God looks for. Number one, God looks for loyal people. Loyalty is big to God. It's huge Second Chronicles 69. Second Chronicles 69. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth to strengthen those whose heart is what? Is fully committed to him. Another translation says the heart of those that are loyal to him. God looks for loyalty. So if you have an unloyal person, miss God. God looks for loyalty. Number two, God looks for intercessors. God looks for intercessors. 
Ezekiel 22.30. Ezekiel 22.30. God says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of, of righteousness and stand in the gap between me and the land, and I found none. God is always looking for loyal people. He's looking for intercessors. Not people that are praying for themselves, but people that are praying for God's will to come to pass on earth. And thirdly, because God is looking actively for worshippers. John 4, 23. For the Father seeketh such. The Father is looking for those that will worship him that way. God is looking for those that will, will disregard their title, disregard their qualifications. And know that they are nothing and just worship him. God is looking for these three people. And guess what? <laughs> these three people have one thing in common. And that thing is called sacrifice. You can't be loyal without being sacrificial. Because your loyalty will call for, sac- for sacrifice. You can't be an intercessor without being sacrificial. In fact, the nature of intercession is, is sacrifice. And of course... There can be no worship without sacrifice. That's number one. Number two, there can be no worship without vulnerability. There can be no worship. Jesus went to the heart of this woman's vulnerability. He just like, like a dagger. If you read Luke 7 from verse 36, we won't read it for time. The story of a woman, she, Jesus was in the house of Simon. This woman, the Bible says that she had, and another translation says she has devious ways. Okay, maybe you should read it. Okay. It's a, verse 7 says, a woman, a certain woman, a certain immoral woman. You know, God, the Bible qualified it as a woman, her uh, way is not pure. You know, when they say somebody's way is not pure, this woman is the definition of unpure way. Now, came into the house of Simon, she fell on her feet, on the feet of Jesus, and she, she, she broke her alabaster oil, and she, she was kissing the feet of Jesus, and wiping his feet with, his, with her hair, kissing the feet of Jesus, and wiping his children. And if you think that is not funny, you know, you know, Simon said in his heart, that if this guy were a prophet, you know the kind of woman that is kissing him like this. <laughs> so, you know, you can read it and say, oh, there's nothing. It's his only kiss. It's not only kiss. It is kiss that made people question Jesus' uh, holiness and sanctification. Praise the name of the Lord. And this woman opened her life up. She was vulnerable. She was vulnerable. To feel your emptiness with God, you have to be vulnerable. Why? Because God feels our emptiness when we choose to be vulnerable in worship. Today, at midnight, we are going to start praise chain. Praise the name of the Lord. 
We're going to bring sacrifices to God. We're going to be, we're going to be sacrificial. It's not going to be convenient. We're going to push through our cutting of convenience. While in the presence of God, we're going to be vulnerable to God. We're going to open our hearts to Jesus. Praise the name of our Lord. And be vulnerable. The same scripture in in um, in um, Matthew twenty six tells us that in the home of Simon again, and I, I, I don't want to read it because of time, but please read that home. Similar account, but it, it brings out something else for us, and it shows us that apart from vulnerability, you can be vulnerable and be unsurrendered. You can be vulnerable and still be protecting yourself. This woman was not only vulnerable, she surrendered. No true worship without surrender. No true worship without surrender. And one major thing that keeps us from surrendering is, is, is worry. We are worried. Can God really take care of me? If I surrender to God, if I surrender my life to Him, can He really put food on the table? Can He pay my children's school fees? You know, can He, can he pay my rent? If I, if I follow Jesus, can He guarantee my eternity? It's worry. And when we worry, we can't worship. When we worship, you find out that you can't worry. If you are able to worship and worry together, let me see your hands up. I've tried it, Pastor, it works. Can't work. Because you, you have to choose one. You can worship or you can worry. But you cannot be, you cannot do the two. You can't. Psalm 46. Psalm 46 verse 10. God says to you, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You have to be vulnerable. You have to surrender to God. Stop worrying and allow God to be God. So, number one, for there to be worship, there has to be what? Sacrifice. Number two, for there to be worship, there has to be vulnerability. Number three, for there to be worship, there has to be surrender. And number four, for there to be worship, you know what Jesus was saying? Do you even know the person you say you are worshiping? There has to be relationship. There has to be relationship. Am I, am I going too fast? <clears throat> Probably skip that. There has to be relationship. It's not, it's not in my notes, but write it down. Relationship. <laughs> it's not in my notes, but it's in my head. There has to be relationship. And before we even get to that equation at all, can I just put it up? If you, if you, if you are writing it. Yeah. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 23 of that same scripture says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So in spirit means aligned with God. Obedience. In truth means knowledge of God. There must be revelation to the word of God. So number, number four is there can't be worship if there's no relationship. You need to have a relationship with God. Otherwise, there can't be worship. And, and if you look at this, the whole idea, put up that scripture again, please, from 23. The whole idea of true worshippers we worship the Father. Everybody say the Father. The whole idea is the enjoyment of the Father. In spirit and in truth. For the Father. If you're a father, you understand what I'm saying. If you're a parent, you understand what I'm saying. You know, it's, it's for the enjoyment of the parent. And obviously, of the, of the child. So it's like, it's, it's like for fellowship. So it is not in spirit just because we want to be legalistic. We are spiritual. We are pious. We are, you know, all the, you need to raise your hand like this. Then you need to do this, the squats. Then, you know, <laughs> it's not that at all. And it's not truth for knowledge because, oh, what, we can quote Scripture. Your word says uh, in Revelation 15, 25. In, uh, you know, it's good to know Scripture. But you see, everything must come together in the enjoyment of God. Everything. You know, Jonathan Edwards, um, some man of God, in, um, not in our time, <coughs> I was reading one of his writings, and it says that God is glorified most not just by being known, nor just nor by just being dutifully obeyed, that but by being enjoyed. Never say enjoyed in the knowing and the obeying. So. God is glorified when, let's say in the knowing, you are enjoying reading your Bible. It's joy to you. And it's, it's, it's joy to your Father in fellowship. You are enjoying obeying God and aligning your life with, with God. It's joy. It's joy to Him. That is when it's being glorified. Not because, oh, there's a checklist. I've done this check. I've done that check. I've done that check. It's nothing. It's just, it's just religion. It's just letter. But when there is enjoyment. So, Pastor, what are you saying? What's the summary of, of this thing? What's the objective of, of true worship? 
the ultimate objective of worship is the enjoyment of the Father. That's the ultimate objective of worship. You know, when we sing that song, I lift my voice Together, 
God bless you. Speak over, 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 not just on, over your head. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Afresh, I've never committed my life to Jesus. I want to come to him again. Slip it up over your head. And slip a card in your hand. I will go from there. Oh, Father, we thank you. Now, for, for, for those of us that are struggling, your life cannot be described as bubbly or full of life. Even though you, you know you are safe, you have the spring. I'm not going to ask you to put your, up your hand. I'm just going to ask you to just talk to God and say to the Lord, I bring my husband to you today. I bring my husband. I bring my husband today. Oh, I bring my husband. I don't know what that is. Maybe really husband, you know. For some single people, their husband matter is the only matter. Or the wife matter is the only matter. Whatever the husband is. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. We thank you for everyone surrendering to you, Lord. We pray for everyone online, everyone in this place, Lord, that is bringing their husbands, our husbands to you. We ask that you fill us with that spring of living waters. Even as we surrender to you, Lord. As we sacrifice and are vulnerable to you, my Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's pray for the Lord, for His kindness, for His mercy. In the mighty name of Jesus.